Hello there and welcome to another Friday night for another episode of Not Your Average Globetrotter. Recently, I did an episode on some of the differences between Italy and the United States, just some differences about kind of what stands out about life in Italy. And I wanted to do a part two because some of you mentioned that you were interested in a follow-up about a compare and contrast. But anyway, let's just get into this episode. Of course, as always, I'm Rafael Di Furia. This is Not Your Average Globetrotter and roll that intro. So the first thing that I want to jump into in this episode is about how people stare here versus kind of the avoidance of staring. I mean, I remember so many times growing up like, oh, don't stare or like, don't let people notice that you're staring or there's this cultural difference that in America, it's considered rude to stare. In a lot of the world, it's considered rude if you stare at someone. But here in Italy, and I've noticed this in a lot of uh, Mediterranean countries from the Middle East all the way to Southern Europe that people stare They and, and they don't hide it. They look straight at you. They will follow you. They will look at you. And especially I've noticed if you're in a small town where you don't speak the local language and especially it seems like if you're an English speaker and I've noticed this that it changes depending on what language I'm speaking that if I'm speaking in English is when people pay the most attention for whatever reason. Like I've walked down the street having conversations in other languages and for whatever reason, English is the one that seems to stand out most, or at least that's the one that people seem to pay attention to a little bit more. And even I've had situations where I was walking past someone or people were walking behind me and people changed their pace of walking to catch up and listen in and listen to the conversation, what's being spoken about. Like if they're following from behind, they get closer or if they're in front, they slow down and like you can see them looking behind a little bit, kind of doing a little side eye. That's the only time when I've ever seen people here really kind of try to cover that they're hiding is when you're they're walking behind you and they're kind of looking and you can see the eye kind of trying to turn around the back of the head but having grown up in the states that kind of mentality of not staring very much doesn't seem to play a role in life out here another difference is when you are talking on the phone if you get to that point where you can improve your linguistic skills to be able to speak on the phone because that's one of the most difficult things for whatever reason speaking on the phone is always the most difficult i mean Clearly, you're not seeing the person's mouth move, the lips, and to get that human interaction. And of course, you can use gesticulation to try and make yourself understood or to understand the other person. You can point at things and so on. But in Italy, on the phone, like I said, difficult, but that's any foreign language just to begin with. But what's interesting is how they answer the phone here. There's a common way of answering a phone here, which is pronto, which translates to pronto, like ready, which sounds strange if you translate it literally, but that's the norm here. Or dica or mi dica, uh, speak, tell me, talk to me. And if someone were to say those things to me in English on the phone, my first impression would be kind of to t take a step back and think, oh, that's so rude. How could a person say that? But that is the normal thing here. Or if you're speaking to someone that you're more familiar with, you could answer with ciao. Like, that's fine. That's acceptable. But if it's kind of like in a more professional situation or so on, uh, then you might have someone answer the phone like enter store name here. Buongiorno, buonasera, buona whatever. What I was talking about before generally is more common when a person, like a private person, answers a phone. 
The next point, though, that I want to talk about is how negotiable things can be here and like how prices are adjusted and changed. It's done all over the place. I mean, not necessarily if you're at like a mall and you're at a big store, like the equivalent of something like Best Buy or whatever it might be. Uh, I mean, you always, of course, you can ask like you would in Best Buy in the States, like, hey, any sales going on? Any any special deals or whatever? I mean, that's probably one of the best things that you can ask if you're at Best Buy in the States. It doesn't necessarily work here so much, but sometimes there can be a little flexibility. Um, or if they're trying to sell you the floor model. There could be a little wiggle room, depending on the store and depending on the the, the sales assistant. Uh, but if you're going to buy like a, an appliance or something, sometimes those prices can be a little bit, not generally by much. Or like when you go to the store and something would be seven fifty eight, they might just charge you seven fifty or whatever it might be. Like that's something that you'll see, especially in like one off stores, not chain stores restaurants maybe depending on the place or it's like it depends on where you are and what they're doing and then also the thing is that can lead to a situation where prices are so flexible in both directions that it can actually end up not necessarily always being a positive thing like maybe you go to like there's actually a, a poke place poke bowl like sushi bowl if you don't know what it is look it up online p-o-k-e and then bowl and the prices there fluctuate and I've been there a couple times so far, pretty decent option for something quasi healthy. And each time I go, the price is always different. And the price has like for the exact same thing has kind of ranged by about four euros or so. I mean, yeah, I can I can argue that. And I say, hey, like what's going on here? How come it's more? How come it's less? How come it's this? But it's like it averages out to actually be a very fair price, I'll say so far. So all in all, I'm not going to complain about that. But when you're getting a home, a place to live, not necessarily when you're buying. I mean, when you're buying, of course, everywhere, you can negotiate the price. That's just normal. But even on rental contracts, so much is negotiable. Like, it's absurd almost. And especially when we're talking about a normal term contract in Italy, which I've talked about many times, which is either three plus two years or four plus four years. I mean, there's all different kinds of things that you can negotiate, like that if there's central heating in the building, maybe the landlord might pay for that or water or electricity. Like there's all these kinds of different things that you can negotiate into the rental contract. Sometimes they're offered, sometimes they're not offered. Like even the current apartment that I'm in, originally the offer on the table was that it was going to cost, I don't remember how much, and the amount isn't really even important anyway, but the original offer included electricity, water, heating, gas, everything, all the bills paid for included in the price of the rent. Then the landlord changed their mind because they realized that if they paid for the electricity and so on, that they would pay at a higher rate because in Italy, for your second home, for electricity and utilities, you'll often pay at a higher bracket than you would if it's your only singular residence. And so because of that, because the landlord said, hey, this is not gonna happen anymore, it was like, okay, come on. So this was, let's say X amount per month, let's knock 200 off because you're not gonna do that anymore. And then they said, well, we don't wanna do that and this and that and we went back and forth. And so in the end, because the building has central heating, one of the things I was able to negotiate in there was central heating. And for, I don't know, maybe one or two other things to be included in the monthly cost of, of rent. And that's so that's one thing when you come to Italy, don't necessarily take things at face value. 
But if it's your first time moving into a place, good to have somebody there with you who can help you, who will have a feeling of what might be normal or acceptable in a certain situation. Once you've already been through your first rental contract or two, a couple apartments or so, then you can figure that out. And then even the, the time to get out of the contract, because it's not like you give a month's notice. It's generally six months notice that you have to give in Italy. I have had a situation where I was able to negotiate that to three months. And again, like almost everything is negotiable. And also, again, when we're talking about apartments, I've mentioned this number of times, it either comes with everything in the apartment or almost nothing. Not even a kitchen sink, not even a toilet in some cases. Usually it'll have a toilet and a sink in the, in the bathroom, but like sometimes unfurnished means nothing. Most of the time it means absolutely nothing. At the very least, not like kitchen cabinets and so on. Or you could find very rarely, it's very uncommon, partially furnished, but that's very, very uncommon in my personal experience, having looked at rentals all over the country. <laughs> but another difference in the lifestyle here is what's called the ZTL. And this is something that you find in pretty much every city in Italy, from small cities to large cities and everything, which even Rovigo, the small city where I live, we have a ZTL here. This is the limited traffic zone is basically what it translates to. In Italian, zona traffico limitato. I believe limitato. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, good enough. <laughs> uh, but this is something where it means in within a certain area in the center of a city that only specific cars with the proper permits will be allowed to enter. If you've watched episodes of the Italian Citizenship or Real Estate podcast, you may have heard Marco Permunian and I talk about our experience that we had in Rome where a car was rented. <laughs> we ended up getting into one of these ETLs and a um, and a fine was sent to Marco because of that. And so <laughs> this is something that can happen because you either need to have a 24-hour pass or you need to live in that area. If you live in that area and within the ZTL, then it's much easier to get. Or if you have a job or work or whatever it is, it will be much easier for you to have access to that ZTL. Uh, in a lot of places that do have a ZTL, it will either be completely no traffic or very limited traffic only to deliveries and people who live there or work there, just really only the people who have a necessity to be there. So this actually can have the benefit of creating a very nice area to walk around quite safely most of the time. <laughs> you still will get the odd card zooming around. It happens. It's Italy. <laughs> if, if you haven't heard about the way that Italians drive, then there's probably plenty that you could read and find online about how they drive here. Although I will say, with even how Italians drive, they still do a pretty good job. Like, I, 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 it's impressive. I will say that. <laughs> but even so, like I was saying, here in Rovigo, in the small town where I live, in the center of the town, you will have maybe a couple cars that will pass through, some taxis and so on. But for the most part, the center center itself is all pedestrian. You do have a main road where there are cars that go up and down. But this is the other thing that a ZTL can introduce. If you don't have the ability to go through the center of a town, you will have to go around it. So if you don't have the 
the access to the ZTL, you will have to take a different route to get to where you're wanting to go. Instead of maybe having to take a direct line between points A and B, you might have to take a somewhat circuitous route to get there. And so there's even one street that I can think of off the top of my head that's in a residential neighborhood that actually does get a little bit of like country highway traffic because you have the main autostrada, like the main like freeway, but then you have like the country back, back, backwoods highways that you can not, not necessarily backwards, but country highways, country roads that also connects towns and villages and so on. And so people who drive on those back roads, sometimes people will cut through this one residential area because it's convenient and because of the ZTL. But anyway, I have got a long, long, long list of differences between these two countries. So if you guys are interested in another episode talking about more differences between life in Italy versus life in the States or life outside of Italy, be sure to leave a comment down below here if you're on YouTube and if you're on, on your favorite podcasting player listening in to the audio only version, feel free to come over to this episode on YouTube and let me know in the comment section below or send me a message on Instagram. Anyway, a huge, huge, huge thank you to those of you who help to make content like this on a monthly basis through Patreon. Thank you so much for the support and also thank you to those of you who help to make these episodes through one-time donations through rafaeldifuria.com slash support or through the shirts, mugs, onesies, and more. And also a huge, huge thank you as well to those of you who like and share these episodes as well. It greatly does help the project out. Anyway, of course, as always, I'm Rafael Difuria. Stay safe and healthy out there, and I'll see you all next time. Later. Thank you.